Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Jimmy Pardo and Matt Belknap are some of the funniest comedy pioneers around. Matt Belknap was an aspiring screenwriter when he launched a message board for Tenacious D fans that became something larger called AspecialThing.com. Around the same time he decided to start his own record label, he convinced stand-up comedian and host with the most Jimmy Pardo to launch a weekly podcast. Never Not Funny debuted in the spring of 2006, put up a paywall in 2008 because how were you supposed to make money making podcasts back then? In 2015, Never Not Funny joined the Earwolf Podcast Network. They just completed their 8th annual podcast-a-thon, raising more than six figures worth in donations to Smile Train, when I convinced them to come back into their studio to meet up with me and travel back down memory lane. So let's get to it! Otherwise I could just make it mix No, it I feel privileged that I'm talking to the Never Not Funny crew in the Never Not Funny studio, and they're recording on their equipment for me <laughs> to talk to them about them Well, for my podcast. We're happy to do it. And I'm happy you told me you're taking this is you would have taken the day off since you're only 30, 35 hours removed from your latest podcastathon. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate. Are, are, are we starting? Is this we, officially we have, the? Is this yeah. the conversation? I was being quiet until uh, until introduced like a. Joke. Well, you applauded. I thought I was, just, I, I was just, just trying to get a little energy. I, yeah. We're beat. Yeah, we did podcast-a-thon on Saturday. We raised $145,000, although it'll end up being close to about one hundred and seventy, I would say, after the uh, final auctions and everything is... uh is uh, folded into that, and uh, but yes, I think you're looking at two tired dudes. <laughs> so I appreciate you spending some time with me for that. No, sure. we're thrilled to be here. Yeah. So I'm in your studio. Mm-hmm. How long have you had this? I think facility? four years. Uh, we were just down the block for a while, um, sharing a space with a friend, uh, two office spaces. But then, yeah, I think we were sharing it with uh, was rock was rock solid happening. Rock solid was happening at that time. It did, yeah. And also on the page podcast, we were sharing a yeah. It was a it was our friend Pilar Pat's wife Pilar's uh, uh, where she taught screenwriting classes, and uh, we we sort of rented one room from her, and then uh, when she had to move out uh, to get a different space, we said, oh, well, let's find our own little room and make it our own and uh that was in 2013 I think. and that we've done yeah. where where did you record the first the very first the uh, very first episode never not funny yeah was at my dining room table and i think the first 50 maybe 57 were at the first were, were, is it something it, like that something like that maybe the first 50 i feel like we moved into that studio down the street like maybe a month or two before mike left yeah um, but yeah, it was, and by left as a reminder, I fired, fired a guy from a free podcast. <laughs> yeah, I like to, I make fun of myself for that. I'm making fun of myself that I fired somebody from a platform nobody was interested in. Yeah, and that he wasn't getting paid for. But uh, adios, pal. Well, there there were no rules then because nobody knew right. what you were. But it would what make more happening. sense now. If you fired somebody from a podcast now, mm-hmm. you would go, well, that makes sense. I mean, they've got advertising. they got this. Right. they got that. I could see it then. But then it's like, aren't you just three jackasses talking <laughs> in a room? What do you mean you fired somebody? In a kitchen. but yeah, Not even, a room, a kitchen. Yes. Uh, I don't know if we want to get this real this quickly. But, I mean, oh, yes. even more reason maybe if, if you're not doing it for anything you're other right. than your own enjoyment, right. then why put up with anything that's not what you want it to be? And you know what? Here's the truth. Mike was – and Mike – first of all, Mike Schmidt, who mm-hmm. has the 40-year-old boy podcast, I'm sure you're familiar he is the, one of the best storytellers in the world. 
And by the time we got to the 50th, he had had uh, the confidence – in my opinion, he was ready to go. I, I don't. I, I'm not like right. a, a mother spread bird. His, spread his wings and pushing him out of the nest. But he, he truly needed to be. He he wasn't. Yeah. He should be doing a weekly show where he tells his own stories. And being, you know, uh, Jimmy Pardo's sidekick was not the right spot for him. Uh, yeah, he outgrew what we were doing, yes. right? and rightfully so. Yeah. He should be telling his stories at length. So you're welcome, Mike, that I fired you. <laughs> well, whose idea was the podcast to begin with, Matt? I pointed at Matt Bowman. As in an audio format, we must say that I was been I've been pointed to, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was a fan of Jimmy's um, running the special thing website, uh, a special thing, yes, and uh, the award winning <clears throat> the award winning Grammy uh, message award. board Gra- Grammy now yeah now technically Grammy award winning but back, back then also we I think we for clapping just won the Grammy award for best comedy album on a special thing records that's right yeah. But back then, Take it was... Take that Netflix records, which isn't a thing. <laughs> okay. Give them a minute. Yeah. It will be. I know, right? That's basically what Comedy Dynamics is, though, because they just they do their specials and then... Right, uh, and then they make the they audio make the, the, Yeah, the audio. So And then everything's on But Netflix. back to a special thing. Yeah, that uh, so that was just a message board for comedy fans, and I was a, a fan of Jimmy's, and I had started um, doing a podcast version of uh, this like a sort of interview series I had been doing for the, for the website. Mm-hmm. And I interviewed Jimmy, and um, once I had you know some comfort, like, some level of comfort with the equipment and everything, I was like, "What else can we do?" And you know, I, I was so excited about the idea of of being able to put out stuff. And it was around the same time that Ryan and I, my, my record label partner Ryan and I, came up with the you know the idea to to start a label, just because it was like there's all this great comedy happening in right. L.A. Let's get it out to people elsewhere because we knew from the message board there were people around the world who loved this stuff. A small group of people, but they were, you know, people with good taste. Passion. Yeah, they were passionate about it. So it was like, how can we get the comedy to those people who can't come see these live shows? So anyway, in the midst of all that, uh, I just said to Jimmy, you know, he was doing a monthly talk show at the UCB, uh, which was it was basically like his version of the Tonight Show, but in front right. of a live audience. A non-televised talk show. Yeah, and and so to me, the simplest thing was like, I could just record that and put it out and then more people get to experience this great comedy show. And so we went, we had lunch and talked about that and, um, we, and we, we recorded one or two of them, but basically the idea was, yeah, Jimmy didn't love the idea of, of that being the thing, but he did like the idea of basically doing a radio show. Um, and, and so we sort of worked out like, well, what would that be like? And, and how would we do it? And, and it really just fell back to like the interview we had done. Like we could just set up the equipment at your dining room table and, and, and talk. And here we go. And that was it. So, so take me back to that moment. How long had a special thing been up and running separate from. Yeah. It, well, the, the message board had been up for about five years at that point, actually. Okay. Um, and, but you know, it started as a, as a tenacious D fan site. Right. So it, it was, it was, it had transitioned into just a general comedy gathering place probably three or four years before that. And, um, and, and I had started, you know, I had, by that point I had gotten to know some of the characters in the world of, mm-hmm. of, uh, the, this world of comedy that I, that I was so, uh, such a fan of. So I had a little more confidence about like approaching somebody, you know, I, I had met Jimmy. I, yeah. Like I said, I actually had interviewed him twice at that point, but, um, we were friendly, but I knew Scott Ackerman and I knew Chris Hardwick and I knew uh, Doug Benson. So I, I was sort of like, um, 
I, I had some degree of comfort in saying and suggesting something like that, which it wasn't just like a random stranger being right. like, you should do a podcast. You know, I remember the exact uh, sentence being that as you were uh, dragging heel out of my house, uh, yeah. that uh, after we had done the interview, you said, you know, I think I'd have more fun producing a podcast for you than hosting my own. How did I say and, that? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. And I was like, I don't know what that means. And you, and you said, well, let's take nine meetings. And then we uh, we uh, met. We met. And then that's. Uh, and then we, what then, year was this? That was 2006. Maybe even 2005 at that point. Like that was late what, 2005. Maybe, yeah, maybe when we started talking about it. Because the, the yeah. show officially launched the, the first week of April in 2006. So what did the word podcast even mean back then? Well, Ricky Gervais what? had one. So like that's really, so I think were, everybody knew it because of that. Yeah. I mean, that's really what got me. That, that's what got my attention, even though I knew of it from Jesse Thorne, who Jesse, right, runs, Jesse had one too, runs yeah. Maximum Fun. Right, like, he was Sound of Young America back then. Right, yeah. he was he was on my message board and and promoted his show a lot there. So I I knew what it was from that. But Ricky Gervais was the thing that I went, oh oh, now I get it. Like you could actually do your own radio show right. and and you don't have to like get hired by a radio station to do it. In fact, it. when we started, people like a lot of the comments were, uh, oh, nice Gervais ripoff. And it's like, right. we're just doing... Which one well, of you is Ricky and which one is Stephen Merchant? <laughs> I like to think I'm the Carl? genius. Well, Mike was Carl. Uh, <laughs> now he's on his own. Uh, but you know, we, we, all we did, because I said to Matt, I want to do it. If we're doing it, we're doing it right. We're going to mm. do it where we, with professional equipment. We're going to have a theme song. We're going to. We're not just going to be guys talking to the microphone on our computer. We're going to treat it like it's a radio show. Right. Yeah. And which technically, so, sorry to cut you off, but that's Ricky Gervais. His podcast was just the radio show he was doing. Then they just took the files and put it out, which right. is why I always think it's. He gets a lot of credit, right. and rightfully so, because they saw that this was a new thing that they could jump onto. But it wasn't like they were like, hey, from scratch, and we're nobody, uh, we're, we're a bunch of nobodies, let's just put something on the internet. They, like, they were already successful. And same with Corolla, right. for that uh, matter. Sure. They, they, they had the studios, and yeah, yeah, exactly. you had to build it from scratch. We did. So what was, right. But I wanted it, but again, I wanted it to be that way, so when people say to us, hey, you guys are just ripping off Gervais, there's a better argument that we're just ripping off morning radio. Like, we were just ripping off the idea of three guys right. Right. that don't have to be interrupted by songs. Like, we um, were ripping, you. I mean, in some ways, you were influenced by Stephen Gary because that's what you grew up on. no question, yeah. And so we were following in those footsteps or, you know, or Stern, who, like, created, even though neither of us listened to Stern, we, he created a world of characters and we sort of ended up doing the same thing. But how do you build it from scratch? In, I, I know in 2017, it's rather easy to buy a Zoom recorder, well, buy some microphones. Two things. Sean. Have GarageBand. Yeah. In uh, 2005, 2006, what? A special thing gave us uh, the platform to yeah. for Matt to say, hey, we're starting this to be part of a podcast. Right. So then all of them immediately, those that liked me, you know, right. okay, I'll listen to that. Jesse Thorne was very, very helpful in promoting it. Yep. Uh, I have an audience from the Bob and Tom radio show, so they mentioned it. Mm-hmm. So we had those three things. So we did have – right away we had a little – not a huge, but we had a little bit of a built-in following. And then uh, – And then iTunes. And then iTunes. Was, Scott Simpson and iTunes took a liking to us. Because it was still – podcasting was still less than a year old on the iTunes platform right, at that's that point. What, I mean even more – on a more basic level than just the promotion of it, just the – the actual the nuts and the bolts. Yeah, the nuts and the bolts of getting. I mean, they're, figuring out how to put the microphones and that was actually that was Joe Wilson. We, with we, the software, we, we should was GarageBand a thing. Yeah, was, yeah, as easy to use. Then yeah, yeah. Well, podcasting. They, you know, that's what's weird. They've actually it, gone backwards. They used to, they used to build podcasting functionality into GarageBand mm-hmm. uh, because they were trying to get more people to put podcasts on iTunes. Right. 
now, now they have since taken it out of GarageBand. <laughs> they were like, stop doing it. Uh, but I still... Too many? Is that why? There's, are there too yeah. many? <laughs> is that the way to get the... I think they just <laughs> see... the cream rise? GarageBand is... They see it as a, a product for amateur music creators. Right. And, and, it was supposed to be for musicians. Yeah, and yeah. But I, I don't care. I realized just, you can just talk. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. It's easy enough to just record things like this with it, which is which is great for that reason. But I, I, I want to say, like... There, there's a guy Joe Wilson who was on the message board and was in the comedy scene. Is still, mm-hmm. I think, still is. Um, he had a bunch. He had a lot of equipment, um, and he kind of suggested to me, like, why don't you know? This is back when I was starting the AST Radio podcast. He said, like, I can, I, you know, I can help you out. Like, I can bring cables and mics and whatever you need. And so he was basically my producer when that started. And so, did you have any experience in this? Not really, but uh, I mean, I guess I had, you know, I went to film school, so I knew a little bit about, um, cause you have to, you know, sound recording is part of, of filmmaking, but, um, it is a category <laughs> in the Academy. It, it is important. Yeah. It's an important piece of the puzzle. Sound mixing, sound editing. Ever since I think the late 1920s, it's been a big part it of really it. Took <laughs> <off. Didn't laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. It really took yeah, off. Yeah. Exactly. Ever since the talkies. Then the player <laughs> came out. No, not the player. Damn it. Is it called the player? What's the name of that? The artist. The artist. Thank you. <laughs> that explains why that joke never gets a laugh on stage. <laughs> you call I, it the wrong I name. say the player. I'm not kidding. Every time. See, that's a movie with Tim Robbins. Yes. And, uh, not at all a silent film. So when no. I say to somebody in the audience, because <laughs> nobody could ever remember the last movie they saw. So I right. say, what's the last movie you saw? I don't remember. I go, oh, was it a talkie? Which always gets a laugh. Mm-hmm. Right. Then I go, uh, was it the player? And then that never gets a laugh. And in my head, I'm like, why does this always fail? I've just realized why I'm not saying the right title. We are solving problems. We're solving crime. I'm glad we were here for that. My yeah. pleasure. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he, he basically was like, I, I think kind of kicked, gave me a mm-hmm. kick in the pants. Because th- this was a, re- th- the way it evolved was like I was recording interviews with comics on like an iPod and then transcribing them. You could record on the iPod? I had a little you thing. You, yeah, you, you plug a little thing into the mm-hmm. microphone. Which was actually pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool. And it was fine. And it sounded great. Yeah, I thought. It was okay. Because I remember you would go into a radio shack or somewhere and there were digi- digital voice recorders. That's yeah. a little yeah. skinny. Right. I, I, I looked at those files. and I, I had a bunch of stupid gadgets that barely, you know. That for journalism purposes were. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were fine for that, but like they never really worked exactly how I wanted to, them to. But. but the main thing was it was taking me way too long to transcribe these interviews with people because I would I would talk to someone for Tell like an hour. It. Yeah, <laughs> right. that's right. that's all I did for many years was yeah. just talk to people and then transcribe it on the comics comic. Yes, and, com. And so like when it became clear like you could just put the audio out and people will listen to it, I was yeah. like, great, that's going to save me <laughs> days, and uh, and it'll probably be more enjoyable. Yeah, um, people don't want to read that much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of like as and an yet ex- I still do the website. I, people I, don't want. You know what? Read I prefer it. to read an interview. I know that's a weird thing. To to say as a guy that makes his living talking mm-hmm. but when I see if, if I have my choice of uh, hey they just talked like David Letterman mm-hmm. yeah. uh, was right, it Vulture? Vulture yeah uh, if you gave me the choice of hey you're going to watch a 10 minute video of him talking or you get to read this at your leisure I'm reading it baby I know what you mean and actually I found it useful I, I think it was like um this is kind of maybe a pretentious way of putting it, but like it was a good education for me to do that. Like to, I, I remember like when I was younger reading an interview with, um, I think Nora Ephron or somebody. And she was saying like, she learned how to, cause she was a journalist mm-hmm. and th- she was like, when I went to write a movie for the first time, she was like, the, the way I taught myself is like, I just transcribed my favorite movies. Like she would just like take a movie and just like write the entire movie out. 
And so I feel like going through listening to something that meticulously and writing it all out is a great way to like really drill stuff into your head. And I was interviewing comics about like how they got into comedy and how to be funny and, and you know, like and then everything. you were transcribing that and putting it on a special thing. Right. Yeah. And so like I think I almost chose to do it that way because I was obviously I was passionate about it. I, I was passionate enough to spend that much time doing it. But I also just what uh, was your screen name again? Uh, it was ISOS, I-S-O-S. Okay. Uh, so it was ISOS, Jouster. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Jouster is still out Where was there. I, Jim Shooter? Uh, I, uh, I think you might have just been Jimmy Pardo. I think you might have just been Jimmy Pardo. I don't remember, though. Yeah, I got some love from Bill Brasky. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that is that is the highest honor. <laughs> uh, it's neat to still run into those people from time to time yeah. uh, that were on that board because they were so supportive of the podcast when we first started. Yeah, I know. It's, it's... And now they don't listen at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of them do. And, and like it is funny to meet them like as fan, like if we're doing a Never Not Funny show somewhere and they introduce themselves and I'm like, oh, yeah, nice to meet you. And then I find out, like, oh, you're actually that guy. Like, right. I, I can't oh, believe you're it. table like, leg. <laughs> yeah, <good to laughs> see you. Like, I've, I've known you, quote unquote, right. for 15 years. That's really strange. But, but I mean, having a message board, though, like transcends the different generations of what the Internet was because it was yeah. all bulletin boards before mm-hmm. the Web. Yeah. Gave it pictures and sound and everything. Yeah. yeah. Was having... Was doing the interviews what got the comedians to participate in the board? Or well, how did before you- the interviews, there were the recaps, which was just uh, me anonymously posting like what happened at local shows, mostly yeah, like Death Ray, mostly or- Death Ray, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's what when a comic like Jimmy would maybe I don't, I'm not saying you did this, but many comics would Google their own name and then find this long winded thing. Uh, insecure <laughs> narcissists. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I get it. I, I like to know what people thought of something I did right. too. And that's why I was on the message boards. Like I, I was a frustrated screenwriter who wanted some feedback. Like it was much more satisfying to write about something I had just seen and then get a bunch of people like reacting to it. than writing a screenplay for a year and a half and getting no feedback. So, so. your dream wasn't to be a record producer and p- podcaster. No. Whatever it was, I didn't. I mean, it's it is one of those weird weird things that uh, we are doing a a thing that didn't exist when I was growing up. You right. know, like it, the internet didn't exist, so I didn't wouldn't have known to. Meanwhile, the career that I chose barely exists anymore. <laughs> I did. I was a newspaper reporter, which yeah. used but to it's be coming a thing. back strong uh, yeah. uh, now that you're one of the enemy of the people. Uh, we <laughs> need right. you more than ever. The opposition party. Yes. yes. Mm. No, it's uh, yeah, it's come around full circle back to the Nixonian times where the the New York Times and you're the Washington going to you're save us. Yeah. yeah, I feel like writing about comedy is sort of noble in that respect because the government is satire. Mm-hmm. Whatever you need to say, Sean. <laughs> Whatever you need to spin it. <laughs> I I think it's good. I like the fact that. You know, I think comedy is is often sort of thought of as like people. I think most people in the world don't think of it as like a an art form or anything no. noble. Like they just think of it's like oh, those are the the jesters or the clowns. Oh yeah, we're told to shut up. Yeah, right. uh, and so I part of what what I thought was you know important about that message board was that it was celebrating comedy as another um, medium for for uh, artistic expression, and um, I 
I think you do that too. And I think that's great. Cause it, that, that, w- that was kind of lacking for a time, you know what right. I mean? Like th- there, there was this sense, especially, you know, comedy was booming and then it kind of died out. And then this new thing kind of out- grew out of that, that death. And, um, but, but the general public was still kind of just like, no comedy wasn't that, that thing that happened in the eighties, <laughs> you exactly. know, like, at least stand up wise. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think it's really, I do think it's, key. but since your message board predated me, I mean, I feel like that's one of the successes was getting the comedians to weigh in and have people like uh, Doug Benson or Patton Oswalt or Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. give these long, massive things or do Q&As with the random. Yeah, or, I mean, yeah, because there wasn't there wasn't YouTube yet or there wasn't there wasn't obviously Twitter or Facebook. For, yeah. or there weren't other places for comedians to connect with their fans. And I think people like just like the way I was excited about this new way of communicating. I think, you know, comedians like Jimmy also were like, oh, this is cool. Although maybe maybe Jimmy wasn't that excited about it. You were always a little bit uh, uh, reticent. I felt that the comic should not be on the board. I felt that it was a thing that the fans should have. And I feel that way about Never Not Funny, too. I, I know that there's. Facebook pages and stuff that are fan, mm-hmm. you know, gathering places. Reddit. There may be a Reddit. I don't know. But I, but if there is, I don't want to be a part of it. I, they should, there should be a place for them to talk about the show, right. likes and dislikes, sure. where they're not, they don't have to worry about me seeing it. Um, I kind of felt that way about the comedy thing. I think once, and I think that's what hurt, obviously, time also played into it. Mm-hmm. But I think having so many comedians on there, I think then you're not talking honestly about sets. Like if you mm-hmm. saw somebody on TV the night before, you're not going to go, Hey, you know what? I don't. I don't think that was so and so's best work. Well, right. you're not going to do that because you know that guy's reading it. Yeah. So you're not really now. You're not even having. You're not having a real conversation. Yeah, because like, that guy's in the. He's Jay Leno in a closet listening in. <laughs> so were you not that active on a special? Thing? I was as active as I should have been because it, it felt like you had to be active to be part of that community. Uh, but I, I, I wasn't as active as Doug Benson or uh, others that were. Right. You know, even Patton, who really should have been way above it uh, because of how busy he was. But did you ever have that feeling? Because I think what a lot of people experienced, comic and fan alike, was that like there was an addictive quality to... I'll tell you this. I just transferred my... Uh, and this lets you know if you break into my home, you're going to get a lot of information. I have, you know, a password, you know, a username password yeah. uh, journal, uh-huh. uh, which was a mess. And I just transferred over to a brand new one, like Friday or something. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, one of the ones that gone was a special thing. So mm-hmm. uh, it was interesting to see that and go, remember, I used to have to use this. <laughs> and it was addictive. You and yeah. it, it, you would go there every day and you'd want to see what the people are talking about, even if it was like a show or about comics you didn't even right. like. It's like, well, that's just people are talking about what I like. With the mm-hmm. Right. I know that, that when I joined, if I, if I commented in a thread, I would want to come back and find out. What right. do people say? Yeah, say. yeah. It's the one of those like Pavlovian things yeah. where you it just, and that's how why Twitter is, works and and Facebook is that you 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 have that need to get validation. There's also the need for what, Matt? Speed. That's right. Obviously, <laughs> I feel it. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. So, Jimmy, uh, in addition to the monthly talk show at the UCB, you were mm-hmm. doing what, what? What else was going on for you? Well, I was doing a monthly talk show at the UCB. I was doing a monthly game show at the UCB. The UCB had kind of just opened in 2005, I think mm-hmm. it was. Yeah, they had just moved west. According to your sweatshirt. I, that, oh, that what it says? Exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I had started with those guys in Chicago, Matt uh, Besser and Matt Walsh. And uh, so when when they came out to the UCB... Uh, were you with them at I.O. or at... Uh, no, we started the Roxy together and doing open mics. Okay. Doing open mics. Put the X open mics. Put the X in the wrong <laughs> syllable there. Um, so you weren't an improv guy. You were always a stand-up. I was a stand-up. And they and they were doing stand-up, too. They were doing stand-up mm-hmm. in maybe in a, in a sketchy sort of way. Um, <laughs> and Yes, that's uh, – yeah, you could describe it. Nope. <laughs> I, I meant mine in the positive. 
Uh, they went to New York. I moved here. So mm-hmm. then when they came here uh, to open up uh, the UCB, they contacted me and said, you know, I know you're doing shows at, yeah. at, uh, at the M Bar as part of Death Ray. Uh, would you be open to doing the talk show at the UCB? And I was like, and we'll give you one a month. And mm-hmm. if you want to do anything else? And so I was doing, there was one time, like one month, I was doing like three shows a month because they needed yeah. people to fill their theater. And right. then they would do, uh, you guys would do that thing. Uh, one of the, first times i interviewed you i think was for jimmy part a week which was yeah jimmy was doing a show every night of the week for uh you know for seven days at, at the ucb it was a takeover that, yeah, yeah, yeah i took it over for a week and, and that uh, was the summer of 2005 i remember that oh is that right yeah and you were and i and i remember you were talking uh you you were doing jimmy yep. pardo's dance party you were bringing we that dance back party too. we did the uh what were the other shows that week well there was uh some some sort of game show i don't remember it was, what it was probably a match game no 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 we weren't doing match game yet no it, it was probably uh Something what you, else. What, did you, what were you doing before Match Game? Eh, I can't remember. There was another one, but yeah. There was one before that. Yeah. But then there was Running Your Trap, the talk show. Right. Uh, I was on Ask Cat one night. I was on Bang Bang one night. Like, it was yeah. all different. Like, I was on, yeah. you know, the I was the right. featured headliner or whatever on, on all the other shows. And then there was also, as, as, as I heard Matt Belknap sit down next to BJ Porter when I was doing the talk show, ah, the crown jewel. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> You you said that to me, Jay Porter. Yeah, why do you remember that? Because I I thought it was it was quite frankly it was a, it was a very nice compliment. Like that was like of all the things I was doing that week, yeah. me doing the talk show is what I was. That was the one that I was the best at and should be doing. Yeah, yeah, it was um, really fun. Ah, the crown jewel. <laughs> Were you doing a lot of uh, road work? I was doing a lot of road work. Okay. Uh, a lot of road work in the mid uh, two thousand. Yeah, the mid aughts. Mid aughts. Mid aughts. I had just come off doing the game show and and I the two TV shows on. Um, uh, I had on AMC when I was doing movies, uh, movies at our house with Rachel Quaintance. We were there for two and a half years and I did a year of, uh, the game show on GSN. Uh, so I was hosting two TV shows. Those came to an end at the end of 2004. And then that's kind of when, when Matt approached me about doing a podcast in 2000, late five and early 2006 was, I, I meant it when like early interviews, I would say I'm between TV jobs. Cause I literally was just yeah. off two TV shows. Um, Little did I know it'd be a while before the next one would come along, but um, but it made sense to then go into the podcast. Mm-hmm. It just uh, uh, it made sense. Yeah, and at that point, I just remembered like I was still trying to figure out how to get into show business and the way that I wanted to be in it. And so, you know, when Jimmy asked me uh, like what <laughs> what he would have to pay me to produce his podcast. I I said I don't nothing. I just want you know if you ever get another TV show, I just just give me a job and that's, that's how'd that work out. <laughs> it still hasn't happened. Bullshit. <laughs> oh no, there was one pilot. We did a pilot. Yeah, <laughs> we count. We, we made our own job, which is a better job. Yeah, it's, it's a much better job. Both the the fun that we have and the hours and everything. How much does he pay you now? Um, still nothing. <laughs> admit admit to him that I am the most gracious. Jimmy made a huge mistake. Oh yes, and agreed to to be an equal partner in in the podcast so uh oh. we are equal, equal partners and never not funny mm-hmm. and not a day goes by that i don't look <laughs> at my bank statement <laughs> and think oh this could be 10 percent higher well in the in those early days of 2006 you could probably go to the itunes podcast page and see all of the podcasts on the home page, <laughs> right if right? you were in the top many... 100 that just meant you had a podcast <laughs> right how many were there uh, I don't, I mean, there were there were there were still a lot of weird things like it was it was still a huge amount of stuff but most of it was I don't even know what it was and but even the stuff that was in near the top was just random strange stuff um, which I guess you could probably still say in some ways now but at least 
then it was like I don't even know what what how did this get here? Like I don't it was, let alone who was listening to it. The neat part I remember when Matt and I first started and we were not in that top one hundred and I was I was I did reach out to some people mm-hmm. that I kinda sorta knew that were in the top one hundred. Like, how do you get in the top one hundred? How does that even happen? Yeah. And then luckily, like I said, because of what we talked about earlier, these people that supported us, we then because we had this iTunes that Scott Simpson at iTunes took a looking, we sounded like a radio show. We had production value. I'm a professional comedian with professional uh, guests and mm-hmm. we and Mike and and we were funny, so we went from like, hey, how do we even get on this thing to being in the top three, yeah. like within a month, and then we were in the top three. The Onion, Ricky Gervais, and us, we were like the top three yeah. for a long time, and that was neat. Yeah, and then uh, and we haven't seen that <laughs> since because we put up a paywall. But the point is this, uh, so that was neat. Like, at, we, at what point did you decide to put up the paywall? Uh, that was 2008. We were two years, exact, almost exactly two years in. Um, we, you know, had just kind of plateaued in terms of audience growth, and we had tried to figure out how to make some money doing it, just because it kind of felt like how much, how long can you really? It's, it's funny now, like we're 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 about to start our twelfth year of doing this, but right. at the time. Even having – even like I remember thinking about like when we were six months in, it seemed like we had been doing it forever because we were doing one a week for, yeah. six, for six months of a thing that like that was more – that was more that I'd ever put into anything I think uh-huh. in, in my life at that point uh, in terms of like hours spent. So it felt like we were like grizzled veterans even less than a year into it. So then imagine two years into it. This is now – we've now been doing it without Mike for a whole year. And we tried to figure out, like, can, is anyone, would anyone advertise on this show? And it was just a kind of, you know, the, there was zero infrastructure for that. No, still, most people didn't know what a podcast was. Right. And um, so we had a, a couple was, of little things. It was still things. before podcasts boomed it was right. in the right, comedy world. It was right before the comedy podcast boom that Matt yeah. and I l- literally said, let's try to t- do a pay format. Yeah. If they come along, gr- if X amount, if X percent comes along, great. And if they don't. We did this for two years. It was fun. Yeah. This podcast thing, thing isn't taking off anyway. And I, we literally said that. This yeah. isn't taking off. And then we went to the paywall. And literally the second we said <laughs> we put our shingle up that we are now charging, it took off. Yeah. Then Corolla and uh, Hardwick and Marin and, and Scott Ackerman and everybody else, yeah. you know, started well, shows. didn't that- start until late. Oh, nine. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, it was, but it it felt like that's how. It went. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, now I don't know back, when Corolla looking started. Looking back, but, eight years. Yeah, but later. The, but the thing yeah. is, like, we actually. I mean, the the happy ending really was that it was we it succeeded. Like, we didn't know what it would do. We right. didn't we didn't know if people would go with us on that, and mm-hmm. like a good twenty five percent of our audience came along for for the ride, and and so. I you was were doing. To, you I, were doing the first half hour was. We yeah, the first, then, yeah, yeah, basically. And then, if you want to listen, if you want to hear more, yeah. So that 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 just let us stay in iTunes with something, right. so you could find us in iTunes, and then you would hear a little thing at the end saying, "Hey, if you want to hear the whole show, go to podcast.com. Um, but yeah, I, it allowed me to quit my job. I mean, it was it was immediately what life-changing. was your job? <laughs> I was a script reader. I read um, screenplays for Ron Howard's production company. Okay, and, uh, imagine that. Imagine. Ah, fun <laughs> That's show. <a> nice one. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so... What's the word? Words. <laughs> We're having fun with words. Quote words David with Feldman. friends. Yeah, yeah. I like words with friends. That's a fun game. I uh, share the same producer that David Feldman does. Oh. Yeah, Alex Brazell. We like he Alex. Was, He's a good guy. Serious, yeah. That's right. He was here. Yeah. With, with David. Uh, yeah, so uh, it was a... It was, I mean, it was well, a dream come true for us. Yeah, we were like... It wasn't uh, like you were doing a 
office job. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I but, but I, but, but it was you had a, to hide your your true dreams. Yeah, I, I but I didn't. He kind of did, right? I, had, I was doing it for a long time, and and it had kind of like drained my passion for for being to being involved in movies. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I had sort of had that um, uh, wrung out of me a little bit, and um, and it was just yeah, it wasn't going anywhere. I mean, it was it was like there was a there was a sort of a fork in the road where mm-hmm. they were like, uh, they they offered me jobs at various times to get into the development track there and and i just didn't want to do it um and this was a thing that was like no this this actually helped me just the a special thing and never not funny more so it helped me helped crystallize what i actually wanted to be doing and and so i was it was easy for me to turn down something that most people would be like why the why would you not take a job working for ron howard uh <laughs> I, and it was because i was like well compared to what i'm doing over here that right. sounds like hell like i don't want to be in an office uh you know basically helping other people make their creative visions come true I and how long did it take uh you started the never not funny before a special thing records um it was it was actually was. almost the exact same time although it took ast uh like a good six to nine months to get up and running but it was yeah we were talking about it almost at the exact same time we were talking about starting the podcast and then we recorded the first two albums for ast at the end of 06 and And that was jen kirkman's self-help and jonah ray's uh, seven inch um, one night didn't you no yeah yeah they were Yeah, yeah jonah basically opened for jen we recorded both sets and then made Jonah's set. This was back when Jonah was like, uh, people thought it was funny. And it was funny that he was making a seven inch, but the joke was that he didn't have more than 12 minutes of material. So like, <laughs> yeah, that's why we did a seven inch. Yeah. So, um, so we, we recorded both of those and then put them out in early 2007. Um, and that, yeah, that, and then, you know, just went from there, that, but it was that all was kind of a pioneering move too, though, to have your own record label. Uh yeah yeah comedy records hadn't boomed either. Right. I remember telling somebody You're forward thinking. Matt. <laughs> I, well, when I went when I when I, I remember going into uh, the offices of of Imagine and telling a couple of the executives what I was doing, and this guy literally like laughed in my face. He was like, "You're starting a record label in 2006. Like, what are you like? Because the record li- industry was dying. It was right. like this is the end of the record industry. Why would you start a record label Post now?" Napster. And I was like, "I'll show him." And he still is not aware of our existence. <laughs> so I haven't quite. Although it's heard to this day, Ron Howard refuses to come on Never Not Funny <laughs> because true. of that conversation. What if it was Ron Howard? He laughs in your face. Nicest guy. And then was it, yeah. uh, I know I saw you guys at Bridgetown. Was that 2010? Oh, I don't know. Oh, yes, it was because uh, we were, that was in between the Conan, NBC and TBS. Yeah. So yeah, that was, it was in, the, uh, I know it was summer the, of 2010. It was, that was the, the spring of Team Coco? Yes, it was this, the that uh, the rally charge was on. <laughs> yes, and that was the second Bridgetown. I remember I you had been at the first one, and I hadn't. I think was I? No, no, no maybe you weren't. But I, I remember it was the second one, and everyone saying, "Oh, it's even bigger this year. This is great." Yeah, no, I, I feel was... like that was the first festival I was aware of that had podcasts with live audiences as mm. a thing. Mm-hmm. When it's was because it? Well, we did so no unusual. No, we did Sketchfest Sketch in '09. Oh, okay, and that was I remember. I we like I know Jesse had done some stuff with Sketchfest, but he was doing interviews and whatever. Yeah. I think we in conversation with it, yeah, yeah. Thing. I, we we might have been the first comedy podcast. To, I think we were to be at Sketchfest. Yeah, and now it's all podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> well, now every comedy festival has a podcast. Yeah, yeah they, unless it's a podcast festival, right? Which is also which there are at least many, three or four of. Sure. Yeah, yeah, all successful. They're all seem to be doing well. That mm-hmm. first time, though, at Sketchfest, I guess, mm-hmm. was it easy to pull an audience to just watch you guys sit in chairs? And 
We had a great audience I saw you at Bridgetown. We did, right? Yeah, yeah. We had John Hamm as our guest. Oh. Yeah, um, at the peak of his powers, we helped. had John Hamm. So, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, that that was the first one at, at Cobb's? Yep. And and we you were doing Match Game the night before, that night after, maybe both, actually. Um, and so everybody, I mean, Match Game was a juggernaut. Like, everybody right. who ever saw it was like, this is the greatest thing, including me. Um, and so I think like we almost got the halo effect of match game because yeah. people were like that guy who hosts that is doing this and he's, and John Hamm's going to be there. So like we packed Cobbs. It was crazy. It was probably one of the bigger crowds we've ever played to probably. Um, I'll go along with that. I don't know. I don't know how many that. Maybe 400. Seats. Yeah. Oh, well, New York was big. New, New York, York was big. Yeah. And so was Chicago. We, uh, yeah. Oh God. We did 600 in yes. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was 2010 or something, right? That was early... Ele- yeah, 10 or 11, maybe. Yeah. But what did it feel like that first time? Because you're used to talking in the kitchen or mm. a room well, like that's this. That's a great question. How that, did it feel? That first time where you're doing this, but with several hundred people who paid to I <laughs> watch, have a, watch this. I'll say one thing about that, and then I'll let you give your thoughts. I'm not going to give any thoughts. <laughs> no. You just answer. Uh, well... The 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 unfair advantage that we've always had is that Jimmy's a great stand up comedian and oh wait we did a live show oh we did oh my god at the UCB uh, the, yeah like two months into doing it, in two thousand six we did a, a live never not funny uh, or yeah, maybe like, maybe our, it was like four or five months into it mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah what was our fi- our fiftieth episode it was, or it, was our, it was our thirtieth episode thirtieth episode yeah. we did a, to celebrate we always celebrate show. the thirtieth yeah, yeah. Anything. it's a big thirty of course at the time it seemed like that was maybe the halfway point of the entire <laughs> series and even Mike who was the guest he's like he goes dude we're doing this live how do you do this live and so that speaks to yeah. what you were saying though that I it. It just was me talking at like a stand-up at, mm-hmm. at the top. Right. So it that that show was super interesting because we like took pains to recreate the dining room. We we set up tables and we we put the we had like I had a mixing board. Mm-hmm. I put the mixing board on the table on stage. We all had our headphones on on stage. <laughs> yeah, we had we had the, we basically did the exact setup we always did mm-hmm. in the in the in the dining room. Put seats, which was and just put seats. Which exactly. I think at the time was half like. I thought it was funny, but I also it was a, it was like a security blanket for in my. Oh, it was, there was no doubt of security because the whole premise was we're doing it at it was uh, it was after Comedy Bang Bang, so it was like mm-hmm. at eleven o'clock at on night a, on a Tuesday. And if nobody shows up, this yeah. is our episode. We're recording right, here right. instead of my house. Yeah. And if people want to watch us record it, like so, that's to me it was just that. And right. it also came from again growing up, and I would go watch Stephen Gary do a live broadcast from a record store or a gas station. So to me, it wasn't all that crazy. Yeah. Um, but that was our first one. And yeah, yeah. So, so by the time we were at Sketchfest, we had, we had, we had knew what that, what it was like. And we had figured out like, you, you don't have to have headphones on. <laughs> you can just go out and right. do a show. Um, but what I was going to say is that Jimmy's, you know, his ability to create comedy out of just, you know, talking to someone in the audience or talking just to the vamp. Him. Yeah. That's, that's his, you know, that's, that's like Can't write his, jokes. <laughs> but that always gave us the ability to, at least for me, it was, a, it was a great um, relief because I knew whatever happened, he could make whatever was happening funny. And so there was no, I, I don't think I've ever been nervous doing one of those shows. Um, maybe when my parents were in the crowd in New York, that was the one time I was a little nervous, but basically I was like, this guy's doing the heavy lifting. Whatever happens, the worst thing that happens is, you know, a, a stand-up show breaks out, and that's not the worst thing in the world. You know, he can just do, <laughs> he can just right. do his stand-up, um, or his version of stand-up, which is really just interacting with people. So, when you saw people like uh, Scott Ackerman start Earwolf or uh, Hardwick with Nerdist start doing podcast networks, mm-hmm. 
did you feel like you needed to join one of them or start your own network? We had talked about that expand? for a while. I mean, when we talked about going to a pay format, that was certainly one of the ideas. Like, you know, we could we could expand, you know, we could make a whole whatever. And um, I think it was sort of a bandwidth thing, probably, on some level, like that we just didn't really want to commit to that. We also didn't want to be bosses. Like, we didn't yeah. want to be like these guys, like, Hey, be part of the Never Not Funny mm-hmm. podcast network, and you know, and then we'd have to worry about their shows and like all of that. And then when they asked us, because everybody wanted us to be part of it, it's like, mm-hmm. well, we got to get Never Not Funny. Um, yeah. And Matt and I were like, well, you know, we've been a lone wolf for, for so long. You know, why would we? Join? We don't need a podcast network. We don't need that. And it, it really, I mean, at the time, yeah, it was it was also dollars and cents. Like we were then at that point making a lot of money on our own and and it was like thanks well, to the paywall yeah, yeah yeah so it would have been a weird move to go to just turn it over to somebody else and then have them take a cut and all that stuff and and this was back when you know god bless them they you know they struck out uh, on into a world that was had barely been born which was the world of advertising and podcasts and and so it wasn't right. clear at that time how that was going to pan out it would have meant for us probably um a good stretch of time where we weren't making money again yeah. and i think we just couldn't do that because in the meantime we had had children right yeah <laughs> we could bought houses of- it was not a good you know we, we weren't going to suddenly go back to have doing this as a hobby it was it was our livelihood at that yeah. point, or it was mine did you ever second guess that decision <clears throat> well eventually we went to airwolf you know we're there now we're doing two episodes a week we do one for airwolf mm-hmm. uh airwolf and then we do one that's still behind a paywall yeah um so what was behind that it was time to exp- we were just getting left out of the conversation. We were like everybody would list their top 10 podcasts of the year and we were never part of it. We were always part of it and now we're never part of uh, part of it. it. And it was weird that we were being left behind and we had to figure out a way to get back into the conversation. Um and there were times yeah I mean honestly I mean we're with Airwolf so I'll say this now there were times over the years where it's like that I did we did regret not signing with Airwolf, even though we needed that comfort and the security of the money coming in mm-hmm. because of like Matt said, we just bought houses and had kids and all of that um but it, it was still was like, boy man, maybe we should have joined Airwolf when they started, but we should have done mm-hmm. like uh and then eventually it all worked out, you know it we're now we you know we figured out a way to do it, you know do one for them and one for us, and I think it uh, you know I do think it's important that uh we always you know have our own voice and our own sensibility and and that's not not that you get corrupted by being a part of something else but um i mean i mean i think maybe we would have ended up being one of the forces that shaped the 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 tone of whatever if if we had joined a network then we would have been part of this is what this network is um but i like the fact that we're in our own space we don't share a studio space with uh 12 or 15 other shows and we yeah we don't have to schedule like <clears> oh <throat> you can't come in that day because so-and-so's here yeah. you can do blah 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 you know yeah I mean? I mean like to me what's great about podcasts is that you can do it all yourself and what the result of doing everything yourself is that it, it reflects you it reflects the people who are making it uh completely there's no other influence and so um uh uh, that's the stuff I like too. Is like in movies and TV and stuff, other podcasts. I like when something has a very distinctive author point of view. driven. Yeah, yeah, and um, and so you know, it just to me, it just kind of feels like it makes sense for us to be our own thing um, because then people know, you know, the people who like it, they know what it is, and they they don't think like, oh, that's this flavor or that flavor. It's just like, no, we are we're, we are our own flavor, and uh, that's the way it should be. Yeah. Well, and then over the course of 12 years, you see so many flavors of the month mm-hmm. come to pass. There have been podcasts that have 
bubbled up to the surface and then disappeared because of lack of interest or mm-hmm. on the part of the people making the podcast. Not, yeah. as, not as many as I thought, though. I, I always thought like when that boom started, I was like, these guys will be around six months and then they'll get bored and, like, mm-hmm. or they'll go. They'll get a bigger thing. Even if even best case scenario, it'll blow up. And then they'll get some other thing. The fact that Hardwick still does one yeah. blows me away. Yeah. He, he's got a weekly game show. He's got a weekly <laughs> right. talk show. He's got because uh, it's still... so stinking easy to make them. Like, the, why would you ever stop if you like doing it? I that's think that's, that's the that's bottom true. line. No, I was I was going to talk to him this weekend, and he said, "Well, he was performing in Irvine. Then he uh, had Talking Dead on Sunday, and he had to watch Train Spotting Two to do his podcast today." Yeah. <laughs> it, and that's a, he's very busy. And that's and another then, and reason. And then at midnight, Monday through Thursday. And then right, yeah. Monday through Wednesday. That's another reason why we didn't want to start a network. Is like we we get to do other things. Mm-hmm. You know, like we don't have to. We're not working a hundred hours a week. Yeah, like we we work. Uh, I mean, I I don't even know on an average week because there's all all sorts of business stuff that goes into keeping this thing running. But in terms of recording, we record for four or five hours a week. Um, and that's not so bad. Is that what keeps you going? Keeps you inspired? Twelve years later is the fact that you have all of this other time to experience. Well, life it gives then... us something to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I think honestly, I think we're at the peak of our powers. Uh, to, to use that phrase again, I, I don't think that our show's ever been funnier. I think we we have a group in here with Elliot Hochberg is our video producer and Gary Cockrell is our quote unquote intern. Um, and I think we are a, we're a, we're a show and we we have a. We have a everybody in here has a relationship, and and we talk about Elliot's love life. We talk about Garen's love. Life. We talk about Matt raising kids, me raising my son. Like it, it's become this. I, I hate to say the word family, but it really is. And and it's uh, and that's what keeps is keeping me inspired. It's like I look more forward now to the shows that don't have a guest, yeah, uh, because of what the dynamic in the room. And we've become comfortable. Our audience has become comfortable with it, and. This is who we are. So I think that's what inspires me more than anything else. Did did your experience working uh, with Conan help inspire any of that too? All it, all Seeing it that he's, you know, because people say that about TV talk show hosts. Like, how many years are you going to do this? Uh, well, I would do that. If I was doing that job, I would do that until they tell me to stop doing it. So <laughs> anybody that quits is insane. You know, in that interview with uh, David Letterman that, that came out this week. Uh, I haven't read it yet because I, I only saw the video. What the <laughs> is this? Uh, I can't read. Look at that. I can't read. I, I was trying to look smart earlier. Um, all, all I really got out of that, Sean, to be honest, was the fact that I was making a consistent paycheck working at Conan, which mm-hmm. allowed me to then – really throw the attitude with both stand-up and this that you need in stand-up is the I don't care. I want, I'm going to do what I'm doing mm-hmm. and the audience is either going to like it or they're not. And those that like it will come with me and those that don't will bail and they'll go find what else they like. So making that money at Conan let me then be 100% me on this show in addition to the stand-up. So that's what I got out of the Conan experience. Okay, more that than... In addition to him giving me a great career. I mean, that... Which plays into what I just said, though. I mean, all of that folded in. The, the, his confidence in me right. uh, let me have more confidence here and in the stand-up. More that than the fact that he and other talk show hosts go 20... What's he been? He's been on 24 years. Yeah. No. And there's just... Oh, there's 12 years is nothing compared to 24 years. Yeah. Uh, well, it's half. <laughs> yeah, it's about 50% of that. It's 50% more. Which is a lot. It's more than Craig Ferguson did his talk show. More than nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like Craig Ferguson. I don't know why he got hurt. I don't know why that. That could have said Pat Sajak. Could have chosen Chevy Chase. Go with the, the obvious, but I chose not to. Magic no. Johnson. Did you say that? I didn't say Magic. No. Sinbad. Sin- did Sinbad have a talk show? 
Yeah, it was called Shazam. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's no, that that's the Shaquille O'Neal movie. No, that's Kazam. That's Kazam. <laughs> Did so, you know about this internet the thing? We talk about it way the too Shazam much. Shazam phenomenal. Oh, Phenom- the, about how there's right. a bunch of people in the world who he, think there was a movie called Shazam. Sinbad started re- replying to those. Yes. Yeah, saying I, I would know better than you. I never <laughs> did this movie. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. It's out there, guys. I'd see it. Yeah. I'd see that movie. I'd see. I hope they make it today. It'd be amazing if they did make it. It'd be smart to do it. Yeah, they would be. Do you? <laughs> at twelve years, are you past the point of caring about whether you're in the top ten lists or mm-hmm. part of the conversation mm-hmm. or looking at your position on the charts? I I haven't looked at iTunes in. It's got to be two years. I, I it it does. I know who listens. I know who loves it. Uh, would I like the audience to be bigger? Of course. Who who wouldn't? Where do you know where people are coming? to the podcast from where the, um that's a great question i mean now that there's more places to <clears throat> yeah I, to I, listen to podcasts. i think what's interesting is our audience size has been remarkably consistent like i was saying when we'd switched to the pay format we had sort of plateaued and then you know when we went back to the free thing we mm-hmm. shot up and then we kind of plateaued again and i think it's just uh you know at that point, it was people who knew us already or or found out about us through Earwolf when we went back to the free thing with them. Um, uh, we're a known quantity, I think, and, and people just they, – they, they know if they like it or if they don't like it. I've always said that I do think there's a wider audience for what we do that is just not – they don't know what podcasts are. They're they're just not going to get to us. But so, so what I, you're saying is you're open to new sponsorship from <laughs> uh, any of these new podcast listening apps out there yeah yeah sure. well we're i mean the show is everywhere i i right. i i just i well, there's so many more places from yeah. stitcher to tune in to it's just very laugh- crowded to laughable to <laughs> right keep going see i don't even know any of that stuff I'm, i li- i literally am the guy that shows up and talks and matt handles all that stuff so if matt was to say to me hey we're going to be part of the laughable mm-hmm. uh uh platform right. I-, I would go uh, and that's cool there wolf okay great let's I, do it like I, I i don't know any of that like i find out when i i tell someone i have a podcast and I go oh i had no idea and I listen to podcasts and I go, well, what do you have? And then they pull up some app that I've never heard of. Oh, mm-hmm. I go, oh, I guess I need to be on this app. Well, because generally, uh, I don't know if you found this to be true, too, Matt, is that you have to apply to be on them. Some of them, or yeah. You just have to fill out paperwork. Yeah, like the Google deal, Google launched Google one Play. last year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they did? Same thing, yeah. I don't even know that. <laughs> I don't well, know. it's just their version of it. But you don't iTunes. automatically, Never Not Funny doesn't automatically show up on these. Right. But you know what? That's what's nice about having your wolf is that they usually take care of that stuff, or they at least you know they'll they'll send us something and say, "Hey, are you guys cool with this?" And then I delete yeah. those emails. <laughs> so I got to get me somebody to take care of that. Stuff. Yeah, and that is that is a <laughs> tangible. You got benefit. Alex. Yeah, Alex, that? take Come care on, of this. Alex should be doing this for you, Sean. Him. You shouldn't have to worry about it. We'll have a talk when I get back. I would talk to him certainly. Actually, he'll just li- he, he'll probably just listen to this. Oh, no. if he's doing his job, he'll be listening. He should to be listening. This, to this is a test, Alex. If you're hearing this, <laughs> then, well, then, no part's getting cut out. All of this. <laughs> If he so, doesn't mention it, oh, <laughs> trouble. So if somebody comes up to you now and wants to get into podcasting and comes to you as the podfathers for podfatherly advice, what, <laughs> what's, what would you tell them now? What I say, if I, if I may imagine, yeah. what, I, what I say is have a format, have a concept. Like Pat Francis, the example that I always use is that he, is, he has a passion for music. Mm-hmm. So he started a music podcast called Rock Solid. You know, Paul Gamartin's got a passion for uh, self-help. He started a podcast about mental health. It's a happy hour. There's too many <laughs> podcasts of just, hey, Pardo and Matt do it, or Hardwick does it, where we're just going to sit around and, and BS like we do in the green room. Well, not everybody can do that. So 
have a reason to do it. And and there's enough of those. There's enough of yeah. that was the fly first in boom. the wall. That was the first right. So boom with so if you Com- even if it's actually. something stupid like you, mm-hmm. I can't even think of it. Like you collect stamps in 2017. Have it be about stamps through your personality, yeah. but have a reason for people to land there. Like uh, Rich Summer loves games. He has a podcast about games mm-hmm. and. Even if you don't like games, Rich is a great personality, so you listen to it. So I, to me, it's that. Have a reason for people to come to you. Yeah. Not just a show. Yeah, and it doesn't – I mean, it could be anything. That's what's so great about podcasting is that you could invent your own format. You know, like there's no rule. Uh, there's no one – there's no oversight. So, you can, I mean, I, I like the stuff that comes out of nowhere that's totally different and unique and it grabs people's attention because it just proves that – that's what makes podcasting unique and different from radio or even, you know, what happens in TV or it's just, there's a, there's a freedom and a, and a, just a wide openness and, and it tends, you know, I think experimentation actually tends to get rewarded, uh, in podcasting. Whereas in a lot of other media, you just kind of, people are like, I don't know what this is, so I'm going to stay away from it. I'm scared of it. But like, there's shows like, um, uh, Welcome to Night Vale is a great example of a huge show that was just like totally unique at the time that it started, and um, and the shows like that come along all the time. And people, what it really does to me, what I like about it is it, it kind of um, it kind of spotlights what's missing in other places because you realize like there's a the podcast is it uh, Two Dope Queens I think mm-hmm. huge podcast it's two African American women it, that just, the fact that that's huge proves the the theory that there people aren't getting enough of this from mainstream media um and that's lacking and so they filled a a gap and so find the gap that that you can fill and and do that and uh and you might it might click with people well uh i want to congratulate you man on uh on your successful experimentations with podcasting and album producing thanks thanks and uh and convincing jimmy pardo to come along for the ride yeah you and me both sean yeah. oh that's the other advice i give find a genius <laughs> comedian to partner with <laughs> that's i do say that first if you can find a uniquely talented individual to hit your uh, wagon to then that's always a, a helpful thing oh well thanks for being here for uh hour 13 of podcastathon yeah uh, <laughs> sure well, thanks for having us come yeah. back for hour 14 in the next episode oh good lord <laughs> I'm taking a nap. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for staying up for me. Appreciate you bet. It. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com. More interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.